0: today from Colossians three fourteen, which says above all these things we have a lot of things in our life don't we tons of things in our life above all these things and you can read the whole chapter in your devotions and see the things that are mentioned in scripture it says above all things put on charity of, of everything that we do we say we think.'" Put on love. And the world doesn't have the proper concept of this charity, this love. You know, it's a fleshly thing that our world has. But we have a spiritual thing. And it's much more powerful than what the world has. So it says put on charity where there is the bond of perfectness. That's the title of my message today. So if you have a pencil and you have a bulletin, you scratch out that perfection because it's not right. And it's perfectness. Total difference in these two things. So I hope because of that error, we'll all remember that we're talking about perfectness and not perfection. Perfection is something that we want to edify ourselves. It's something that the world looks for to edify who they are and how important they are and what they've accomplished in their life. And they, they have a bucket list and they want to finish it and they want to be perfect. And many times I'm sure that every one of you has made a statement like this when something went wrong in your life and you say, well, nobody's perfect. But I have news for you today that someone perfect lives in you and that's the revelation of the message today so perfection is something that you want in the flesh that's my terminology and perfectness is the quality of being complete so when the bible says that god says that he wants us to have a bond of completeness we're going to learn about that today herein is love john 4:10 Herein is love, not that we loved God, we just read this in our devotions, that we, He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, church, sometimes we pick and choose who we love. Sometimes we have favorites that we love more than others, but love is love, and it should be a powerful Entity, no matter the crisis or the situation. So if we love one another, God dwells in us. Just look around the church. See, you love each other. God dwells in you. This is, this is, this is simple church, but sometimes we forget these things. And it says if we love one another, then God dwells in us. If we're biting on one another and we don't love one another and we're critical of one another, I don't think the Lord dwells too deep in us. So God wants the church today, the church of Jesus Christ, his church, his people, his body, he wants them to love like he loves. In that while we were yet sinners, what? He loved us. He loved us. So today we're just going to talk about this. I know you know it, but if we love one another, then God dwells in us, and his love is what? Do you have that verse? His love is perfected in us. So, you know, our perfection comes, our our perfectness comes when we love God. And then there is a perfectness that we as a believer in Jesus Christ can have in our life. It's not the perfectness of the world. It's the perfectness of Christ that lives in us. Now, this passage of scripture that I just read talks about perpetuation. And to understand what God is saying here, we have to understand the meaning of this powerful word. You know, it means to make up for something I did wrong. Did anybody do anything wrong? This word perpetuation means that to make up for something that I did wrong. In other words, to cover our sins. Christ is a perpetuation for our lifehood, for our redemption. We can't redeem ourselves. It's the redemption of him. And that's what perpetuation means. It means that if I did wrong There's a covering for it. There's a cleansing for it. There's a redemption for it. And that's so important. Many times we read that in in my lifetime. I read over that and read over that and read over that. But, you know, sometimes when you see a word like that, you need to look at it. Get the dictionary out. If you got a cell phone, just ask Sari. They can tell you everything. If you ask them, what does perpetuation mean, which I did, and this is what he told me. And then I looked it up in the scriptures in um, one of my resources, and I was just amazed. I know I've read this so often, but it, to be a perpetuation for us is to cover us with the power of his precious blood. And we're not what we was yesterday. Every day we're better as we grow in the power and the grace of the Lord. Every day his blood is still alive and flowing in the heavenlies and it's upon us. And we need to recognize that and stop in all of our busyness and and all of the harassment of the enemy just stop in all of that and magnify god and understand that he's going to cover us no matter the crisis and god is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we know and what we can ask for and it'd be better not to ask for anything just ask him to cover you because we ask for things amiss the bible says sometimes we ask for things that we want instead of what god wants for us so as we look at the scripture so this word "perpetuation" means to cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. That's what the Word of God says in, in Micah 7:18. You know, it said that they were cast into the sea, and He remembered them no more. Can I can I stop here, church, and tell you He remembered no more when you're fretting over past things, over situations, over crisis, over every. Whatever was done wrong to you or whatever you did wrong to someone, when you meditate on those things, you're outside the shed blood of Jesus, the redemption that he brought us, the perpetuation that he did for us because he covered us. And those things, this one thing I do, I put it behind me. And what do I do? I move forward. I press for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ. This is what's wrong with Christianity today. They're not pressing. They press for the things of the world, they press for physical things, they press for houses, cars, all those things that's only going to pass away and be of no value in eternity. So this is maybe a harsh message, but the Bible says in Micah 7:18 and 19, "Who is a god like unto thee?" Just think about your God. We did that last week. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by our transgressions? Did we have any transgressions this week? Did we ever have a thoughts amiss? Did we ever have a little worry? Did we have a little frustration, a little anxiety? Did we just see something and we didn't like it so we thought about it and didn't think spiritually or kind or good about it? You know, our God is so awesome. You know, it says He passeth by our transgressions. And it, it's the remnant of our heritage that He would watch over us. And there's a remnant of people serving God today that comprehends these things. But we need that God, we need for God to enlarge the body and speak more powerfully. The body needs to hear the more powerful words of God because we need to be transformed. We're we're like the world in many ways and God wants to transform us and bring us into purity and righteousness and holiness. It's a big job. But you know what? With Christ in our heart and our life and our sincerity toward Him and our compassion for God to be in our life, we can accomplish this. So it says, Who is like unto our God? He retaineth not anger. How many how many can you just think of something that happened ten years ago and you were angry? In fact, the can, devil can bring it up any time and cause a little angry twit. But listen who God is. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. It says he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. When he sees us in these wrongdoings or he sees us... In this transgression, he will turn around and he will have mercy upon us. And he will draw us out of that and into himself and bring us into perfectness. That's what the salvation and the redemption of God does. It says he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. It's going to subdue anything that torments us, anything that we do against the power of his word. It says he will subdue it, and that will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You know, um, we need to have a, a, a health check, a spiritual health check daily. What did I do today that displeased you, Lord? How can I be more faithful to you? It is when we reserve It is when we are have this perpetuation that covers us and brings us into perfectness, that's when we have a purpose in life. So many people are wandering in life with no purpose. Oh, they have a purpose to be perfect. They have a purpose to have everything they want and they desire and to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But when will we understand our spiritual purpose in this life? That's the one thing that we are created for is the spiritual purpose of our God. And Christianity at large has lost its purpose. It's got its all of its things to entertain instead of to see them at the altar worshiping before a faithful God. This is one of the purposes that we have in this house when we gather in his house. This is a purpose. We find fellowship. We see the body in the body. There might be hurt and we pray for them. We see that in the body, if we're not happy, maybe somebody will speak happiness into us. You know, the, the body of Christ is important to help one another. And that's why we're talking about here in his love that God loved us. He, he loved us no matter who we were or what we did. And yet we have a hard time forgiving other people uh, that have caught in their sins. I was talking to somebody the other day and I, I, I've, I've, I followed at night when I go to bed, I turn on and I see what they preach that Sunday and I get my little sermon, you know, and the person said to me, well, they're wonderful, but I knew what was coming. They were going to say, but you know what happened. And I go, no, I don't know what happened. What do you mean you don't know happened? Well, God said our sins are in the sea of forgetfulness. Let's start to forget, church. Forget those hurts and disappointments. Forget them. That was yesterday. This is today. And tomorrow is eternal life. So let us let us lay aside those things that so easily beset us and let us look toward the prize that God has for us, the eternal life. I mean, maybe we don't have everything we want here, but in heaven it'll be okay. In heaven we'll walk the streets of gold, we'll eat from the the tree of life, you know, or whatever it is. I don't know what all's gonna go on, but I know it's gonna be great. And I know that we're going to have whatever we want, but what we want will be spiritual and not worldly. What we want will be the goodness of God and the power of his presence and the Holy Spirit. I want to find the Holy Spirit and just sit in the middle of him. (laughs) But this is what we're headed for, church. Uh, Perfectness in Christ. And guess what? If he lives in us, he's perfect. If Christ lives in us, he's perfect. Now what we have to do is live up to that perfectness. To live up to it, to live up to his standards, to live up what he requires of us. And yes, we're going to have trial and tribulation. And yes, we're going to have, you know, um, I think all of us have uh, concerns about our children or our offspring or our family or all those kinds of things. We'll have all those things, but we have to muster through them, go on through, press for the prize, speak words of encouragement, speak words of healing, speak words of life, and move toward the prize of the high call of god in christ first john 2 5 and 6 exhorts us concerning the love of god it says whoso keepeth his word you want this perfectness in you this is what you do whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of god perfected we want the love of god to be perfected in us so that we will have perfectness in us it's important now it says, uh, the love of God is perfected in us, whereby now we that we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. That was twice in our devotions this morning. It's twice in scripture. God repeats himself. He wants us to hear what he's trying to say. You know, sometimes, church, we don't even hear one another. You know, how many times have you did something and they said, well, I told you that. I get that all the time. That's because when you get past 60, they think that you forget. But nevertheless, you know, we 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 have to know that God is so important in our life. You know, we need to think more about him than we do. We need to remember that we're a soldier in his army, that, you know, he requires so much of us that we are passing by. So it says here, Whoso keepeth the word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Maybe you can't do all the things you want. Maybe you don't have all the money that you can have. Maybe you don't think you sing or you speak or you do any of those things. But if you love, if you love appropriately, if you love according to God's word, then that perfectness is in you. And we need to understand that we are not perfect, but we have perfectness which is God and the Father and the Holy Spirit who's living in us but we have to we have to love we have to lift up uh, li- live up to the love of God that he wants for us to have so it says he that saith he abideth in me there's multitudes of Christians today that think he abides in them but they don't live like he abides in them they don't walk like he abides in them and they don't talk like he abides in them and and, and we can all be guilty of some of those things, but we want the perfectness of God to dwell in us. So usually our thoughts are, Well, no one is perfect. And you had have, have you ever said that? I imagine everyone here has said that one time. Somebody said something you did wrong and you say, Well, nobody's perfect. God's perfect. Jesus is perfect. Holy Spirit is perfect. His word is perfect. And the these three The power of the whole world and above all the world and wherever there is anything, this power lives in us. And it's perfectness. But we're up to keeping that perfection in us spiritually. It's so important. So as saints of God's love, we're commanded for the right kind of love. And it brings this perfectness to our life. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that we seek things spiritually Sometimes we need to uh, look at things spiritually before we look at it naturally. Now, because that's different. Natural and spiritual is totally different. And if you can get into a spiritual thought, maybe your thoughts will be cleaner and nicer and more perfect because his perfectness dwells in us. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit, church. I was sitting in my office today and i have my message prepared about perfectness and the difference between perfectness and perfection is just a whole lot of difference and i was just sitting there and the holy spirit said look at the title and i i flipped it open and i thought you know when you holy spirit talks to you you think it's not you think it's yourself don't ever think it's the devil but you know you think something's bothering me i don't understand this And I looked at my message title and it said perfectedness. It said perfection. And I had to start to scrape that off all through my sermon. And to come to what the perfectness, because that's what we have. And we have it in God and it lives in us. But it will will dwindle. It will tarnish. We have to live up to his love. And we have to take in his word and we have to obey his word. And there's just a whole bunch of things that God is calling for. So we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to seek things spiritually, you know, that the world doesn't enter into our affections, that our affections is spiritual and toward God. If there's ever a day that we need to learn that because the world is rampant and corrupted, even to corrupting our children and the creative power of God in our earth, how can that ever happen? So God is speaking to Christian, Christianity to rise up and to be strong and to begin to speak what you believe in Christ. Not hateful, not mean, not judgmental, just in love and get the word in you that you can back up what you say with the power and the anointing of the word of God. You know, I don't, it's the word of God that's anointed. And when you speak the word of God, his anointing comes through you. It's so, you know, if somebody says, oh, I want to have anointing like you Well, be careful what you get, because the anointing comes from God. It's from God to you. And it comes for the manner, how much of the word of God that you have in you. Yeah. If you notice, there are preachers today that don't have much in them because they give for one scripture and then they go on 14 bunny trails. And they never get around to the purpose that God has. God's bringing us into the house that we might purify ourselves, that we might sanctify ourselves, that we might be a companion of Christ and believe in the compassion that he has for us so that we can have perfectness in us. Perfectness after all these things have put on charity. I know Dr. Gorant uses that in the counseling, what to take off, and what to put on. Put on charity. Put on love. If you don't know what to say, give them a smile of love. Give them a tap on the shoulder. You know, put on love. Put on a conscience of compassion for humanity. Matthew 5, 8. God's looking for a pure heart. I thought on that a lot this week. How, how pure is my heart? Because you know when you don't feel good, when you go through trials and tribulations, it's been a very unactive week. I should say very active, but, you know, I don't want to confess anything negative. It was a very hard week, you know, but, you know, God was in it all and there was miracles in it. And so we cannot live in the negative. We have to get into the positive and see what God is doing in our life. So he's calling for a pure heart. Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek ye first, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. I know you can probably quote that. But, you know, ask yourself, am I really seeking the, God, the kingdom of God first in my life? Am I really, really, really desiring his righteousness? You know, uh, what is his righteousness? It's his perfectness
1: that lives in us.
0: That's his righteousness. He doesn't sin. And he wants to keep us from the sin. He wants to cover us with the power of his blood, which he does every day. His blood is always moving across our lives. He sits by the Father, and, he, and, and everything we do goes through him to the Father. And the Father doesn't see our sin when it goes through Christ, when we keep a life of Christ in us. It's so important. So the question comes to mind. I'm not going to be lengthy today. I, I guess I've been being lengthy, but I'm trying not to when you study so much and you have to get it all together then you have a lot to say <laughs> perfection perfectness in a born in the in the born again believer this a questions what witness do we bear of his love in us do we can we look at ourselves and ask ourselves that question what witness of his love do we bear in us what is our passion about. What are we passionate for? You know if you ask me. What do, what passion do I have for food? I will say. Oh I love a ribeye. I have a passion for it. I know what I have a passion for. In the things of this life. But what is our passion for God? What, what do we really desire. To do for God. In our life. Are we willing to sacrifice whatever it is that we want for what God wants for our life. How committed are we to following Christ? If He says, Go this route of suffering, identify with my suffering, can we do that? Yes. Our uh, forefathers, our martyrs, I heard through Sunday school they were talking about the disciples. To stand for Christ costs something, church. It costs something. And that has been forgotten in Christianity. Nobody wants to pay any price for the cause of the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if anybody does, you know, but I'm saying that what I see in Christianity at large, what I see that's being preached on the telly, and when I see those kinds of things, I wonder where is the compassion For the suffering Christ that paid the debt for our sins. You know, do we even think about it? Do we even thank him Thank him about it? Well, I know we thank him. We, we pray over our meal and we thank him for our meal. But God is looking for something that comes from our innermost being, not just from our lips, not just, you know, sometimes we smile because we think we're required to smile. But our smile should be because the love of God germinates within us and it just comes up automatically. There are questions that should stir our hearts. Christianity has has got a lot of world in it, church. Christianity has a lot of world in it. And we're supposed to bring Christianity into the world and not the world in the church. It's nice to have a beautiful edifice, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to have a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. You come to his house to worship him, to glorify him. What should our perf- perfectness look like? It should look like him. It should be merciful. It should be long-suffering. It should be gentle. You know where we're at? Yeah. It should bear the fruit of the Spirit. That, that's what God is calling for today. And then the 14th verse of that passage of Scripture is above all things. Above all things, the mercy, the grace, the long-suffering, the fruit, put on charity. Take on the love of God. When we measure up to things, we are reminded of Romans twelve two. It says, be not conformed to this world. We are transformed to the renewing of our mind. And we may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. We cannot no longer just amble along as a Christian in the sea of life. We have got to raise up a standard. We have got to raise up a banner of holiness, righteousness, purity. We have got to think through our conversations, think through our decisions, think through our way of life, and we have to do what we can to glorify God. The only way we can come to his perfectness is to let him live fully in us. And when he lives fully in us, and we're striving for the best we can do in the cause of the kingdom of God, I was so amazed that the Sunday school lesson was sort of about this. The opportunities, there are many, many opportunities. Somebody says, well, I, I need an opportunity. Well, great, get two strong rakes and go out and rake those rocks in, lot, in the parking lot. No, I'm serious. We need the space in the parking lot and there's these big lumps of rocks. You know, do something. Find something to do for the cause of the kingdom. Do it spiritually. Call Diane and minister to her and say, let me pray for you at the end of the conversation. You know, or do something physically. But ask what you can do. That's where it starts. When you start to be faithful in the little things, then God will make you ruler over many things. So I'm going to pause here and have part two next week. I want this to sink in. I want us to be better for God. I want us to be more thoughtful for the kingdom of God. Where are we in our spiritual condition? Where, where are we? If somebody says, where are you? Can you say, well, I love the Lord with all my heart, and, and this is what I do for God? And, or do you just look at them and say, I, I want to worship him more. We can never worship him enough, church. The day I say, let us worship God and every one of you says hallelujah out out loud, I'm going to fall off this chair. I don't care for boisterous sound for no reason, but I like to hear the sound of people worshiping God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you today. We thank you that there is a kind of perfectness that we can find in this world and that's the perfectness that you live in us. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. We ask you to bless the gifts that are given. We ask, Lord, that you would just force the power of your word into us that we might grow and be a standard, a bulwark for the cause of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we ask it. All God's people said, Amen.